0: Amen. You may be seated. You know, that song, uh, the choir sung today is foundational in my walk. It was as a young believer sitting in the seats, hearing that song, kind of singing through it. And I remember singing it without really thinking through it. But then it just hit me one Sunday. Take me, Lord. Use me. Fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. It it changed me. So thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I pray that it had the same impact on you this morning. Well, friends, uh, Happy holidays are over, and we are now at that time of year. You've probably noticed that. Uh, Yesterday, before the snow and ice came, I looked out and I saw Christmas trees rolling down the middle of Wolf Road uh, to their demise. Who knows where they are today? All the Christmas things are probably put away. There's a few scarce lights on a few houses where maybe you're driving by now and you're like, well, what are they, you know, when are they going to take them down? Uh, You know, the the one that we used to drive by with the radio station blaring and the cool lights is long gone. And now that Christmas is done, it's just winter, bleak, gray, and cold. (laughs) Amen, right? No. If you feel that way, and many people do, it really is not your fault. I think some of it is the way that we do church tradition and church calendar, inadvertently, because we're always anticipating. We're always building up anticipation. Think about it. We just finished the Advent season, the looking ahead, the preparation for the gift of the Messiah born among us. And then in just a couple of weeks, we're going to start Lent. Same thing, a season of anticipation of the great resurrection. But what about the after season? How do we reflect on the great gifts that God presents us and those timeless stories that keep coming back in our church year. What what about the season of appreciation or what about a season of appropriation? And so with that in mind, with this sense of kind of Christmas let down and now what, I wanted to offer you this series, this for the next three weeks, it's called The Gift. As we consider what do we do with the gift of God's presence among us, the Emmanuel, God. With us. Now, maybe all of you at some point in your Christmas givings have received some kind of gift that you really didn't know exactly how to work with it. I remember just a couple of years ago, my wife was like, Surprise, I got you a tool bag. And it was a tool bag with one of those like battery, it was the battery powered tool set, you know, and it had a circular saw and a drill and a super bright flashlight and this other weird saw that was perfect for chopping off fingers. It was called a a sawzall, because it saws all your fingers off. I had no idea how to use this thing. I'm not, you know, tool savvy, but I was like, well, thank you, honey. I'll I'll figure it out. I've, I've learned since then how to use a few of them, and I still have 10 fingers, which is nice. But sometimes we can get these gifts that we really don't know what to do with, and I think for many of us, the gift of Christmas can feel like that. Maybe we don't actually know what to do with the incarnation the presence of God among us. You know, we give thanks to the Lord for Christ the Messiah, but maybe we don't always know how to use that great gift. So for what I hope, this series, The Gift, will continue to unwrap, assemble, and give the instructions for how we can make benefit of this foundational gift given to us in Christ, the God with us, and how Messiah redefines us, not only showing us who God is, but who we are in him and how he invites us to fit into his still unfolding story. So for these three weeks, we're going to look at some foundational questions reflected in this gift of the Lord. We're going to start with, who am I? Who am I? The question of identity. Next week, we're going to look at, why am I here? The meaning of life, what is our value, which is connected to our third week, which is what am I supposed to do? What do I do with my life? The question of purpose. Now, like maybe that tool bag that I got for Christmas that time, none of these are separate pieces onto their own. You can't just take one out and use it. They're all interrelated, they're all one single gift given to us identity, meaning, and purpose in Christ. Because just like that tool set powered by a common battery, They are all fueled by the same Holy Spirit. So this morning, to illustrate our text, we're going to be looking at the call of Moses. The call of Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and later reflecting again on a reading we heard at the top of the service, which is Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible with you, great. If you don't have one, we have some in the seat. It's so good to have an encounter with the Lord driven by his word. And so if you have opportunity to open up his word, if there's a Bible there, you can use it. It also keeps your hands warm. Let me pray as we open up God's word and look at this great story of call and identity. Father, we thank you. We thank you for waking us up this morning and for the grace that you've given us to desire to spend the first fruits of our week here in fellowship with one another, singing your praises, Lord, take us, use us, fill us. We give our lives to you. But also, Lord, that you would speak to us by your spirit, through your word, these ancient words and stories, God, that are preserved for us. Let them speak fresh to our hearts today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, again, we're going to look at that story of call. The search for identity is really a common pursuit. It really is a common pursuit. I think all of us at points in our lives, not just early in our our lives, ask, who am I? And, And who am I for real? Well, to help us get some partnership in that question, I want to introduce us to a man who lived long ago but also had a really profound identity problem. His name was Moses. Now Moses, think about it, was born a Hebrew, but he was raised as an Egyptian, and he was banished from his community after defending his own people, which to his even to his surprise, later he was wandering lost in Midian, and there he met the daughter of a priest, saved her from some marauding marauding shepherds, and then he was introduced to her father as the Egyptian, which he didn't correct her. Settling down with this woman, calling her his wife, having a child, he only knew himself as a sojourner, a wanderer, a person with no home or heritage. In fact, that's how he named his firstborn son. This is someone who is the son of a nobody from nowhere. So in Moses' heart at this time in his story, who am I was probably a question that he thought about fairly often. Now you can see in Exodus chapter three, Moses encounters a strange sight. He sees a bush that is burning, but it's not chafing, it's not falling apart. It's not crackling in the fire. And he's attracted to it, to the point where the word says he turns aside to look at it. You could say there's something about it that's calling to him. Well, interestingly, in the text, it tells us when the Lord sees that he had turned aside, he calls to him back and he says his name. The bush actually starts to speak and it calls out his name. It says, Moses, Moses. Now, if I were Moses at that time, I would think, well, one, that's an amazing sight. But number two, how do you know my name? But instead, Moses replies, here I am, here I am. Well, the conversation continues quickly. The Lord establishes his own identity. He says to him in verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face from this voice because he was so afraid to look upon the Lord. The Lord establishes his identity there. Now this revelation again of God's identity as as the God that has walked through many of his ancestors was too much for him, so Moses hides his face. This is a great illustration of that value that tells us that fear is the beginning of wisdom. And in Moses' case, it's awe, it's wonder, and it is a holy overwhelm that where he stands is amazing. And he hides his face from the Lord. Well, the Lord continues on with his story and tells Moses that he is now aware of the Hebrew oppression. He has a plan. He's going to liberate them. He's going to set them free. And to bring out what he calls my people from Egypt, he's going to invite Moses to be a key player in that story. Now, Moses, of course, is shocked to hear this voice of the Lord and how he is asking him to be involved in the rescue plan. And he asks him an amazing question back as the Lord tells him that I'm going to send you. Moses looks to him and says, Lord, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? There's that burning question in his heart again that he defaults to every time, probably. Who am I? Who am I that I would be sent before the Pharaoh? This is a the Lord assures then Moses that his success is guaranteed because the Lord will be with him. Like the Emmanuel, the Lord will be with him. He says, You have nothing to fear, Moses, because I will be with you. And Moses goes on to ask more questions. He said, Lord, if I go before the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has, has sent me to you, they'll ask me, Well, who is what is his name? What should I tell them? Who are you? What is your name? What is your identity? And in probably the greatest revelation you could ever imagine, in any story anywhere, God himself speaks of his own identity. There at that burning bush, he reveals himself to be, I am who I am. Tell them, he says, I am sent you. It's amazing to me that the Lord communicates his authority, his power, his mercy, his compassion, his covenant love through the strength of his identity. I am, he says, is the ultimate statement of self, of presence, of power, of majesty, of self-assurance. You just tell him, I am. Sent you. The English language doesn't give us the sense of time that the Hebrew language is a little more nuanced in. And if you even take this phrase, which has been much studied, much studied, it's really present with a continuing impact. It's, it's sort of like saying, I aming, or I am and will be. I am who I will be. I am that I am. I am, I am aming. There's a continuing presence and future to this identity of God. So when we're discovering the answer to, who am I? I think we have to go back to exactly where Moses went. We have to begin with the revelation of the great one, the great I am, the Lord God, who is the ultimate place of self-identity. You see, Moses, he had not known the Lord, and he was lost in himself. He was a nobody, he thought, from absolutely nowhere. And the Lord called to him by name, Moses, Moses. And he had a very specific plan for him. See, friends, I don't believe that we know ourselves until we know the Lord. I don't believe we know ourselves until we know the Lord. And then how do we come to know the Lord today? What is our burning bush What is the fire that draws our attention? Well, that would be, friends, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And where, then, is our face-to-face encounter with God? We go back to the gift. It's in the Emmanuel, the Christ, God, with us. That's where we find our face-to-face encounter with the Lord. I don't believe we can know our true identity, and we don't know God without knowing ourselves, and we cannot know ourselves without knowing God in Christ. The great I am, the word made flesh. Jesus himself in John chapter 8 was being asked about his relationship with Abraham, and he said very clearly to the Pharisees who were gathered around him, he said, truly I tell you before Abraham was, I am. And they gathered stones to stone him for this great offense. Jesus made no secret that the I am who I, I aming was the Lord Himself being revealed among his people for his redeeming work. And he's calling us by name to be a part of that great story. So is that the end? I guess cue the music. We're good. We have that face-to-face encounter with Christ, we get that identity with God. Invited into his bigger story, I guess that's the end of it, right? No, no, it's not. Because we all know it's very easy, even when we have that moment of clarity, when we come face to face with the Lord and he speaks our name and we receive that identity in him, it's so easy to have it lost. It's so easy to have it stolen. It's so easy for the truth of who God is and who he's made us to be to be forgotten. It's so easy for the purity and power of I am. Calling to his children is so easily soiled. And friends, we live in a culture, in a world, that has a completely different story. That tells us our identity is that we're rooted in a story of random chaos. We're nothing more than slugs who have climbed out of the primordial jelly. We're just chance. There's no meaning to it. That the nature, that our human nature precedes our spiritual identity. That's the story the world tells over and over again. No, man, no, no, ma, no wonder so many of us are looking into the heavens asking that question Who am I? Why am I here? And, and what is my purpose? Because, Lord, because the revelation of God precedes our self identity. There was um, an exercise that I saw recently that said, you know, write down words that describe yourself, and this is one way you can, you can discern your own identity. And so if you do that, you might write a list of, of good things, you know, things that you, know, people would hope, you hope that people would say about you. And if you're really honest, as I might be, there's a list of bad things that automatically come up when you uh, make your list. And so if I did my list, it might be something like this. I hope, and, and my best, how am I known? What is my identity? I might say, well, Simon's a faithful person. Uh, I might say, Simon, oh, he's a, he's a friendly guy. I might hopefully say, Simon, oh, he, he's a good husband. He's a good dad, I hope, I hope, at my best. I hope that somebody would say, Simon, he's a caring person. If that's what you describe me as, is if, if one day that's what I hear people say, and then I feel like, okay, that, that hopefully aligns but there's a whole other side to it too. They might say to myself, I'm a a moody person. There, There are many times that I naturally feel like, I just, I don't know how I fit in. There's so many ways that I look and I think I'd write underachiever in probably bold print and that last word, loser. Just always that lie that creeps up. Even though I've received this identity in Christ and been called into his greater story, Over and over again, both my strength, my pride, and my weakness work against me to corrupt and have me forget that identity. That's why it's so important for us to look at Scripture and hear what God says about us and who he calls us to be. Now, with that list in mind, we go back and we look at this passage that was read for us earlier. Again, an ancient hymn of the church, probably one of the earliest things sung, written of Paul. In Philippians two, chapter five, he says, Having this mind among yourselves, which is a gift yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing that he could grasp, but instead he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being found being born in the likeness of common men, and being found in human form. Christ humbled himself by becoming obedient all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, this is why, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above all other names, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, this to the glory of God the Father. The identity of Jesus is one with I am, but yet it was not an identity that he held with great pride. In fact, he humbled himself there, all the way to the point of dying a sinner's death, a criminal's death, one that we deserve. And it's because of his humility that the Lord raised him up, to an identity, a name that is above all other names. Thank you, Lord. So when I look back at my list of the things that I might say about myself with some measure of of pride and hope, and those things that I might say about myself that are in my weakness and in my low, I look and I see that there is no measure of loathsomeness that Christ is not submitted to. There is no low that I can describe myself that Christ has not submitted himself under. There's no self-deprecation that he has not been depreciated more. There's no beating of myself that Christ has not received to a deeper level. And there's no pride. There's nothing I can say great about myself that he cannot supersede. There's no version of myself that is better than who he is. There's no heights I can claim that he does not reign over. His is the name above all other names, the identity above all other identities. So friends, how about you? Have you looked with wonder for the presence of God? Have you heard that call maybe even gazed into the supernatural, turned aside to see what is it over there? Have you heard the Lord calling you by name? How many of us have taken our shoes off and stood on the holy ground, marked with fear and awe and wonder before the great I am and said, tell me, Lord, tell me, who am I? Are you living in abundance out of your identity in Christ or have you lost sight of it? Has it been stolen? Have you accepted a lie? See, the gift of this continuing season of Christmas is that no matter how low you think of yourselves or high you think you might be, there's nowhere that we can go that Christ does not reign. The name above all other names, the Emmanuel, God with us. So who are you, friends? You are God's Beautiful creation. You bear his image. Yes, you're tempted. Yes, you're fallen. Yes, you are a sinner by nature. But you are worth pursuing. You're the one to whom God shows mercy. You're the one that he sent Christ for. You are the lost sheep. You are worthy to die for. You are called. You are known. And in Christ, you have an identity, you have meaning, and you have purpose. Come, let him speak over you as you worship him. Tell me, Lord, tell me, who am I? We'll respond with hymn number 184. Let me pray as we step into worship. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for being the great I Am, God's presence among us with continuing effect. Lord, I pray that if we're here this morning and we have not yet received that identity, we're still there in the lost like Moses, wondering, who am I? Am I a nobody from nowhere? Lord, give us the gift of your identity over us, the great I Am. Speak into our hearts fresh. And Lord, for those of us who may have lost sight of it, had our identity stolen, feel like we've accepted lies. Lord, I pray that you'd reclaim over us your great identity, that we are beloved by you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Fill us, Lord, with every assurance in your spirit. We thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.